Jesus taught real life issues that people who wanted to understand could understand what he was saying. You know what he did? He spoke to ordinary people about ordinary things in an ordinary way that they could develop extraordinary results. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. There is a reason that I teach the way I teach. I have only one purpose for being the pastor of this church, standing behind this holy desk, and that's to help you grow. God's word, which we will talk about this morning, in the, in the allegory here is a, it's a seed, their analogy rather, it's a seed. And God commands me to do right with his word. Not to water it down, not to just take the pieces that I like. Folks, I can, I can teach, you know, things that will make you just laugh and have fun and, and, and just be, just leave this place with exhilaration. And we do. But God tells me I need to teach things that continually causes us to grow. Because the minute we stop growing, what's the opposite of growth? Death. The minute we become fine with where we are, we become complacent and where we need to be. And the minute that happens, you start dying. I start dying. The minute I start picking and choosing what I will preach and what I won't preach, and not allowing the Holy Spirit to direct me any longer, who becomes God? And folks, me as a God will never get you any place. Years ago, I was preaching an end times sermon. And I showed it to you in the church when I was doing that. And God gave me the picture of somebody that was having struggles living for God and, and not doing right in the things of God. And let me take you, Pastor, by the hand, if you would. And he said, what you're doing, Pastor, is every time that you've got to call them and every time you've got to basically babysit them, coddle them because you're afraid you're going to offend them, this is what you're doing, is you're carrying them along. It's your hand. That's keeping them in my hand. The problem is, is one day, your hand's going to be gone. Whose hand are they now holding? 
no one's. Not God's. Because my hand will direct you to his hand. But it's only your hand and his hand that will keep you and take you to the promised land. Not mine. And I'm going to be gone one day. Thank you, Pastor. So the only thing that I can do is proclaim the truth that sets people free. So as J.I. Packer so wonderfully articulated in this passage or in this message, do we really know what we believe? Do we really believe what we really believe is really real? As the Truth Project would say, can we defend our faith? As one man said, if I was put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? You see, if I only pick and choose what makes you feel good, when heaven calls, you may not be listening. Let me take you in the scripture that's not part of our text. 2 Timothy 3. But mark this. In the last days, terrible times will come. How many think we might be in the last days? People will be lovers of themselves, of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of teach of the, of the good, teacher, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying the power to change their lives. And he said, from those kind... Turn away. In in 1 Timothy 4, it says the Spirit speaks expressly. In the latter times, some, thank God it doesn't say all, some will abandon the faith and follow deceptive teaching. supposed to be the Word of God, but it's not the Word of God because it's the Word mingled with fancifulness or, or some kind of success that you can obtain just by naming God. And look what it says here. These are the things taught by demons. Demons are the author of deception. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They're fine teaching it because they'll make statements, well, God has called me to encourage you, not to challenge you. Well, my Bible tells me God's called me to encourage you, but he's also called me to challenge you. Now, are you with me? Okay? Their consciences have been seared with a hot iron. In other words, God can no longer move them because they've been convinced this is what God says. In another place, there's a scripture that tells us that there will be those that think in the name of God they're killing people. Have anybody heard that lately? This is why I preach the way I preach. And so for the next, I'm going to try to do this in 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes, so I can get you out of here before the Baptist. If you're an ex-Baptist, forgive me. I say that humorously. I kind of put this in here every, every few months or every few years. When I was pastoring in Texas, Literally, the largest Baptist church in, in, in Texas was called Green Acres Baptist Church. You ever heard Green Acres? Green Acres is the place to... Okay, anyway, it's called Green Acres. Huge Baptist church. If the preacher wasn't done preaching at 12, 
they got up and walked out. They literally did. It was just, it was hilarious. So he always got done before that. Last week we read Mark 4, and I'm not going to take the time to read it this morning. It's in your notes. But I'm going to pick up with where we left off last week. The harvest begins with the seed. It begins with what you have. It doesn't begin with what you don't have. A lot of people are believing God to do all these different things. And God is sitting back and said, you know, if you're faithful in a little bit that you already have, I'll do other things. But you've got to be faithful first in where you are. Are you okay? See, it's not a matter of where we're, we're going to be or where we want to be. Where are we right now? The widow woman with two mites, Jesus said she gave more than everybody. Why? Because she gave of her all. Jesus, uh, Paul was talking about the church in Philippi, Macedonia, when he was talking to the church in Corinth. And he said, you know, the things that made the Philippians different than everybody else, they first gave of themselves. They gave themselves first. The problem is, is most people try to get their, their heart saved, but they don't let the rest of their life follow. When Jesus taught about the harvest, this is called the law of the harvest. He didn't talk about blood sacrifice. He didn't talk about heavenly visions. He didn't talk about things that were not relevant. Yes, all those things are pertinent, but they're not always relevant. There was one blood sacrifice. His name was Jesus, once and for all. You know what Jesus did when he started talking about teaching his people how to live a life of harvest and to have a harvest in their life, he went to the field and started talking about the thing that people understood, seeds. It was an agricultural community. They understood seeds. I I have shared this statement for years. There's too many things in today's church that make the head better, but they make the heart bitter. Because people can't live it. Oh, it sounds good. Let's, let's just go book by book, verse by book. And, you know, that's wonderful in and of itself. But it's not always relevant to where I live. It's relevant to make the head better, but it doesn't make the heart better. Am I making sense? I've gone to churches. I've walked out there and said, man, that was masterful. That was incredible. That was intellectual. That was, that was what did he say? Because I couldn't apply it to my life. And you and I have to come to the place to where what we hear comes into our ears, into our heart, and works through our feet, our hands, our lips. Jesus taught real life issues. You know why? He wanted all the people who wanted to understand to understand. Now look at me. There's people even in this church don't want to understand. They come because that's what they're supposed to do. But they really don't want to understand. They just want to learn enough just to get by. Well, I think I'm okay. That's why people can backslide, but they still want to have Christian friends. Especially those that won't say anything to them. Because then they feel okay. Well, it's got to be okay. Pastor Philemon's still my friend. Heather's still my friend. Susan's still my friend. Suzanne, still my friend. Sorry. Somebody else is still my friend. I must be okay or they wouldn't be my friends. Are you with me? Jesus taught real life issues that people who wanted to understand could 
understand what he was saying. You know what he did? He spoke to ordinary people about ordinary things in an ordinary way that they could develop extraordinary results. But he gave very clear understanding that the only time a harvest comes is when certain criteria is met. Just going to church doesn't give you a harvest. Giving every day, every month, every year, tithing does not guarantee a harvest. The parable of the sower, which is what it's called, but as I shared last week, it actually could be called the parable of the seeds or it could be called the parable of the soil because that's more realistically what he's talking about, the soil, the seeds. And you see, to have a harvest, you must not only plant good seed into good ground, but you also have to take care of what was planted. This is why a Christian without discipline, a Christian without, without commitment, a Christian without dedication, let me put it in the words of James, faith without works is dead. You cannot say you're one if the other is not following. This is what J.I. Packer was trying to share with us in that, that, little, that little video that we just watched. You see, there has to be a disciplined heart committed to take care of the seed. Let me, every time I say the word seed, transfer that word into word. Because it's God's word that is the seed. There has to be disciplined hearts committed to take care of the seed in your life until it produces a harvest. Why? Because the enemy every single day, every single moment of your life is going to try to steal that seed. This is why in Luke chapter 9 verse 13, the Bible says these words, 1913 rather, it says occupy, occupy. That word occupy is a term that means make business or make commerce or put your life to work until he comes. You know what Jesus is saying? Get to work for me. Regardless where you're at, regardless what you're doing, until the harvest comes. God gives a harvest, but only after we've made a commitment and dedication of life. I know many people that think, well, if God's going to bless me, I'm going to win the lottery. Money's going to fall from heaven or some other thing. But folks, it doesn't happen that way. That is not God's way. Let's take a look in, in Luke 19. I'm there one more time. It's in your notes, but you'll have to go and read it yourself. There was a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Jesus was walking along. There's a great crowd. And Zacchaeus was a little short guy. He was hanging up in a tree. You know why he was up in the tree? Because he was a little short guy. He couldn't see everybody. So he got up in the tree because he wanted to make sure that he got Jesus' attention. Now listen to me. Zacchaeus was not necessarily a righteous person. Was not necessarily a godly person. He was a guy that collected taxes. He was a guy that did all kinds of different things. But when Jesus saw him, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house for dinner today. 
Do you know nowhere in Luke 19 do we find that Jesus says that Zacchaeus is a bad guy or that he's doing a bad job? The only thing we know is that Zacchaeus wanted to do right with what he had. Now, I want you to stop there for a second. What is the story right before the story of Zacchaeus? Go ahead, look in your Bible, Luke 19. It's the story of the rich, young ruler. He had everything, but he didn't want to do right. You see, there is those that want to hear and do, and there's that want to hear but don't want to do, because it'll cost. You know why most Christians won't do what God called them to do? Because they know it'll cost them. Ultimately, their lives. I'm going to have to have you stop saying amen, Rick. You know why? I want to listen to see if anybody else is amening me today. Okay? You always amen me. And that's good. So please don't stop, really. But let's see if anybody else is amening. Because, you see, today is the day the Lord has made. We just sang it. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Is it really God's day? It's interesting. Zacchaeus said, I want to do right. He said, if I've done any wrong, I'm going to give back to them twice what I took. The rich young ruler had everything. Who could have done right? The Bible says he walked away because he looked at his things more than his God. Am I making any sense today? You see, Zacchaeus was never talked about as a bad guy. Can I tell you something about Zacchaeus? He was probably a wealthy man because he did a good job in his job. I want you to realize that, and I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't want anybody to get offended, but if you do, you can come talk to me about it. You know the difference between a person who has and a person who has not, it usually has to do with work ethic. It usually has to do with what they do, with what they have. You see, it's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what you know. We know what we should do. But how many besides me wants to lift their hand and say, every once in a while, I don't want to do it. Folks, I'm the pastor, and there's sometimes I don't want to. Oh, you wretched man. Yes, I am, and I'm in good company. Paul said he was the worst of the worst. Pastor, are we in good company? Pastor, are we in good company? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Okay? It's usually about work ethic. Why? The scripture implies most don't have, listen, two things. Because they're not thankful for what they do have, or they're a bad steward with what they do have. Those are the two reasons that the scripture gives us. You have a, jo- a job? Rejoice. You have food? Rejoice. You have health? Rejoice. If you don't have a job, your job is to find a job. The second thing quickly this morning is the principle of the harvest. And the pr- principle is very clear. You reap what you sow. Jesus begins to talk about the harvest, listen to this, by talking about the problems with the harvest. He lists four types of soils, which basically are the picture of the life of people 
in terms that they would understand. Listen, but here's that catchphrase, if they choose to. So I'm going to break this down quickly because I spent a little bit of time last week expounding upon it. The first thing we find is those sown by the wayside. And I'm going to turn this. I left it in your notes because I want you to see it. I didn't want you to have any second guessing. You know what the wayside represents? Those people who come to church, but that's all they do is they come. They want everything done for them. They don't want to serve in a ministry. They don't want to be a part of the ministry. They don't want to be challenged in the ministry. If they do, they want a safe space. That's the new term. The colleges are looking for them. Universities are looking for it. Don't offend anybody. Give me my space. They don't want to be offended. Why? Because they don't want to be responsible. They just want to come. This is the picture of those that are sown on the wayside. Now let me, let me tell you just real quick. The wayside is a good place where good seed falls. Now let me say this here. It's always good seed. God's word is always good. God's word is always good. But it has to fall on hearts that may not be as receptive. The next thing we see, and I'm going over this quickly, most of it's in your notes, is those that fall on stony or shallow ground. Now, as I shared last week, this is very similar to the seeds on the wayside. It's a picture of the person that's in church, but for some reason, they won't commit themselves to anything other than just being at church. Oh, they won't miss church service. Man, they'll come, they'll listen, they'll amen, they'll shout, but they're there for other reasons than commitment to God. They might be there looking for a mate. I, I, I say this is a guy who got galvation instead of salvation. They might be there because of their conscience or because of guiltiness. They might be there because of the fear of hell. They may be there for some other reason, but the reality is they have no root. How many, when you were growing up, took a, an avocado seed or some other seed and stuck it in the window in a glass of water and immediately it starts growing? How many realize if you did not transplant that seed after a very short amount of time, it would fall over dead? It would grow no longer. Why? Because it has no root in and of itself. It has to put so foot in the soil. It has to ground itself into something. And the seed that is in stony or shallow ground, like the wayside, if they do not make a commitment, oh, they might spring up great and joyfully. I, I can't tell you how many people I've had to come to church. Man, this is the best church. I, I tell you, I've looked all over there. I can't, oh, man, I just, and they never see him again. I, they have no root. And unless they get grounded, they will fall over under their own weight. Their head will get better, but their heart will get bitter, and they will stumble, and they will fall. If they do not get rooted in, listen to this, or uproot from continually a church, they won't grow into what they can be. A lot of people just go through the motions. And the enemy comes and steals the seed or the word that is challenging their life to grow. 
Next thing we see is those sown among the thorns. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. The first two are just those people that, that, that they come and they like what they see, they like this, they like that. But then there's those that really do want to commit. You say, well, pastor, why is it thrown among the thorns? The farmer doesn't purposely go out and take good seed and throw it in a field of thorns and weeds and, and thistle and all that kind of stuff. He plants it in a good place. The picture is every one of us have thorns inside of us already. Every one of us have weeds. The Bible says we were born in sin. Because of the sin of one, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one that does good. That's if you go back to the rich young ruler. Remember the way he tried to settle his conscience? He's called Jesus good master. He said, why do you call me good? There is none good but Jesus, but my father. Are you with me today? Everybody has thorns. Everybody has seeds and thistles and issues. And the process of growth happens. And as the word grows, the weeds grow. And we choose which one we grab a hold of. The teaching, memories, relationships, Ideas, these can all be good or they can be bad. They can be word or they can be weed. Let me bring this down to where we're at today. The pastor in a church is like the farmer sowing the seeds. Did you ever notice that the church is set up in rows? I just walk down the aisles. Like Johnny Appleseed. I'm, I'm, I'm sowing the seed. You say, Pastor, are you being random about it? Are you being flippant or callous about it? Not at all. I realize the church, like the farm, has a wayside, has shallow or stony ground. Everybody has thorns. And I know that some of that seed is going to stick Somewhere good. Amen. And it's going to attach itself. But I also know there's going to be some weeds around it. And there's nothing I can do about that. You see, I can't change anybody. All I can do is plant the seeds. Preach the word. As I shared last week, it's really interesting that you can't get sowing in your life by yourself. You have to be sown into. You can read your Bible. A lot of people, this is a literary book. It doesn't change their life. Why? Because it doesn't take root. Because it's not being sowed in faith. And that's what the pastor does. He sows in faith. Am I making sense so far today? We, I, I'm skipping over a lot of things. We must get the weeds out of our life if we expect to see and be blessed of the things of God. Look at Psalm 62. 
Now, I read this of the New Living Translation. People ask me, Pastor, is there a particular translation? I use several different translations. What I do when I read them is I go back to the original Greek or Hebrew. You say, Pastor, you read Greek or Hebrew? No, but I know how to use concordances. I know how to use lexicons. So I know how to study in Greek or Hebrew because I know how the, 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 the whole language works. Are you with me? So I go there and I look at this, and I thought this was an incredible translation of this. Look what it says. If your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. If you, do, if you start doing really good, don't think it's God. It may not be. I tell people all the time, difference between conviction and condemnation. Very fine line. Condemnation repels you from Conviction runs you too. How do you know that it's doing good? Are you getting closer to God because of it? Or are you running further from God because of it? There's a big difference, folks. There's a lot of people, the wealthier they get, the less they do, the less they give. Can I tell you, every church I've ever pastored, it's always those that had the least that gave the most. Why? Because it's never about money. It's always about hearts. Are you with me? It's never about money. I've had millionaires in our church. Didn't even tithe. Say, Pastor, how do you know? Well, I never saw a $100,000 check come through. I've seen lots of ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 checks. It's an issue of heart. Lastly, in verse 19 of our text, it says, the deceitfulness of riches chokes out the life of God. Chokes it out of those when they're not rooted in the things of God. Lastly and quickly, I just want to talk about the harvest for a minute. What we will have in Christ will only happen when we hear, accept, and obey. Now we have the seed that is sown in good ground. Now understand, everything that God does is good. But it takes the discipline of the farmer, the discipline of the pastor, the discipline of the leader, the discipline of the Christian brother or sister who may be the farmer in your life. See, there's many farmers. You just got to watch what they're sowing. And what it's doing. What's it growing? The discipline of the farmer is what produces the harvest. It does not happen automatically. It takes work. When a seed is left to itself, listen to me, it will produce a little bit. I've had people that, that, that turned away from the things of God or, or you know whatever the case is. They were faithful tithers. They gave. I mean, they were just... Boom, just like clockwork. And you always knew because you, you sit down and say, well, it's approximately this month. My, my wife and I, uh, you know, we're faithful tithers. And it's really funny. We're one of the few people in the church that when we give, we give to the penny. Jenny Summers, is she here today? Is Jenny here? Oh, she's teaching today. She, she is the head of our stewards. And uh, she does it. She said, it's so funny. Every time yours comes in, other people, they'll give her straight this or a straight that. And, you know, I always say, that's because they're giving above their tithe. 
<laughs> I'm believing. Okay, but we're meticulous. And then we give above it, but our tithe is always to the penny because that's exactly what we make. Okay, and the tithe doesn't say 15%, doesn't say 20%. You may give 15 or 20%, that's fine, but your tithe is still 10%. Are you with me? They leave the church, or they stay in the church, and all of a sudden they stop, they get mad at me. Or Pastor Philemon, not me, they couldn't get mad at me. <laughs> okay, and they stop giving. And they think it's hurting the church. And it's not. Why? Because you're not the church's source. I'm not the church's source. Jesus is the source. Well, bless God, he's using me. That's right. And if you won't let him use you, he'll just use somebody else. So the one that hurts is you. Well, bless God, I'll just give someplace else. That's fine, but you're still going to hurt. Why? Because there's a principle to the harvest, God's way. Not the way you choose or I choose. Am I okay today? Somebody say amen. Okay. You may still, still reap, but you will not reap the harvest that God wants. Why? Because it's God's way. I remember there was a farmer once that got saved and, and gave his life to Christ. And, and there was, he had a Christian friend that they were walking over his, his farm and looking at the bumper crops and this and that. And the, the Christian brother started telling the, the, Christian, the now Christian farmer, isn't it great all God has given you? The old farmer replied and said, I don't know. You ought to have seen the place when God had it himself. You might, have a, you might have a field with, with a thousand oak trees, or a hundred oak trees, rather. And it might produce 50,000 acorns. But do you know what? You will never see 50,000 new acor acorn or oak trees. You may see a few. You may see a handful. But if you're going to see a massive harvest or a plentiful or a bountiful, you have to have discipline connected to it. Our text says us says that we have to hear and understand if we're going to obey. Why? Because the harvest doesn't just happen. It takes purposeful work. We can tithe, we can give, and still not see the full potential of God's harvest. Why? Because of our understanding or even our attitude. This is why the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. We'll get to that in just a moment. The scripture says in our text that some receive 30, 60, and some 100-fold. There's two reasons that happens, okay? One is because you're in a fight, and the devil's not going to let you prosper just because you do good. And just because you do good does not mean you're going to prosper. Why? It has to do with discipline, and it has to do with attitude. It has to do with aptitude. It has to do with attitude. Both of them have to be together if we're going to reap the harvest that God has planned. In Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5, verse through 7, I'm going to read just a portion of it. Look what it says here. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Underline that in your notes, please. Give careful thoughts to your way. Give careful thought to your ways. He said, you've planted much, but you harvest little. 
You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, and you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to give them, put them in a purse with holes in it. How many have ever had a scenario? Don't raise your hand. But how many would say, man, that sounds like my life. Look what the Word of God says. Consider your ways. Consider the why you do what you do. Why isn't it producing? Is it aptitude? Is it because of my work ethic? Is it because of my determination, my commitment, my dedication? Or is it attitude? Oh, bless God, I'm doing this only because I have to. 2 Corinthians, I alluded to this a moment ago. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. Each man, underline this in your notes, please. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. It's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. Never has been, never will be. Your time, it's a heart issue. It's not a time issue. It's a heart issue. It's not a talent issue. It's a heart issue. It's not an ability issue. God said they gave of themselves. Look what he says. For God loves a cheerful giver, not the one who is reluctant. Oh, bless God, I'm going to do it. Or compulsory. Well, I do it because that preacher put so much guilt on me. God said, don't do it. I'll do either one of those things. Get your heart right. And he says, if you do, all grace will abound in everything, in all things, in all you need for every good work. There's a lot of all going on right there. The farmer, let me share something with you. I I know a bit about farming. I was raised on a farm. And can I tell you something? The farmer doesn't sow just because he wants to. He knows that he has to. Why? There will be no harvest if he doesn't. But in doing so, he doesn't do it reluctantly, compulsory, or out of bad attitude. He does it out of the purpose of heart. He knows that he has to do this if he's going to reap what he sows. And after he does it, he knows that he has to watch for the foxes. He has to get rid of the bugs. He understands without good hard work, nothing can be taken care of. Many people get saved, and they're not living for God today simply because they wouldn't let a farmer, in parentheses, a pastor that God placed in their life, work in their life. If we are going to see the harvest that we want, We must produce the best possible we can that the circumstance allows. I'm not talking about money, folks. I know this is immediately construed, well, I see he's just talking about money. I'm talking about your life. Do you have joy in your life? Well, Scripture says consider your way. Do you have fulfillment? Happiness? Do you have plenty? I'm not talking about plenty and and that you always have more than enough to eat. The psalmist writes, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor my seed begging for bread. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, or in Philippians, he said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be blessed. If I have a bunch, I'm a happy camper. If I have little, I'm a happy camper. 
Why? It's not about what I have. It's about who I have. It's not about what I am. It's about whose I am. It's not about where I've been or where I'm at. My God's grace is about where I'm going. And that's the dedication of the harvest. I might look at a field and say, man, that looks pretty bleak. But a few months from now, it is a bumper crop. You know why? Anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but God knows the apples in a seed. He knows what's going to be produced, and it's based on you, and it's based on me. Can you say amen? As the worship team comes, if we're to see it, our personal life must be rooted in the things or the ways of God. Remember, we started with that in the book of Psalms. He showed Moses his ways. He showed Israel his acts. If our own life is going to be harvest-filled like God wants, it has to be rooted in God's ways if we're going to see God's works, God's acts. Everything God plants is good. The outcome is solely determined on the worker and the ground that God's seed has been planted in. I've left a lot of things in your notes to read. Please, read them. And think about what J.I. Packer said at the beginning of this message. The church is in trouble. Do you know why? The church doesn't want to hear what God has to say. The church wants to hear what it wants to hear. That's why I, I, sit, I sit back and I, and I just look at the church world today. I, like I said, I read incessantly. I get notices and stuff continually. And I look at these things and think, what in the world is the church doing? I mean, they, they, you know, you, you've heard me talk about it. They got this new religion. It's called pub theology. Oh, let's go have a beer and talk about Jesus. How many think that's a little counterintuitive? Yes. Oh, I'm blitzed out of my head, but praise the Lord. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, why are we doing this? What? We're trying to reach people. Well, the problem is, I mean, what if my friend here is an alcoholic? And he comes to give his life to Christ. And I say, oh, let's go have a beer and talk about it. I don't know anything about it. I've just taken him back to the depths of hell that he was just brought from. Well, come on. They got to know better. Yeah, they should know better than doing their pub theology. Now, okay. I always got to put these little addendums in there. I'm not saying that if you have a beer, you're going to go to hell. If you have two or three cases, you may be already on the way. I'm not saying drinking a glass of wine is going to mess you up. Okay? But I'm telling you, if you can't do without it, you better find another God. See, the church no longer wants to be the church. We want to be the consoler. Now, yes, the Bible says we're to console. We want to be the encourager and the comforter. Yes, the Bible says to encourage, to comfort. But the church no longer wants to call sin, sin. Why? It might offend somebody. Most of you can quote it. I would rather offend you into heaven than pacify you into hell. That's why I preach God's word. I 
spread a good seed. I will not compromise. I will not water it down. I will not put some GMO hookups with it. What's GMO mean again? Genetically modified organism. We got a smart guy in here. (laughs) I will not. Why? Because it's God's word that changes your life, not my preaching. I'm just sowing the seed. What are you doing with it? Because you're the soil. Are you on the wayside? Are you shallow? Well, I just come to church because it feels good. I just come to church because I should. I come to church because my wife makes me. I come to church because my kids need it. Or is, is those thorns that are a part of every one of our lives... They're in all of us. I remember as a young Christian, I used to think, man, I can't wait till I'm saved for 10 years or 20 years. It's going to be so much easier. Folks, it's harder. Because the closer I get to the Lord, the more wretched I know that I am. But you know what it does that makes it easier? It makes me run to Him even more. The thorns are always there. God has planted his word into good soil, which is every one of you. You are good soil. With all of the problems, all the issues, all the difficulties, elbow somebody and say, he's talking about me now. You're good soil. You're good soil. And God has great plans for your life. But it's your choice. What do I do with the seed? What do I do with it? Do I apply it? Let it take root. Oh, and when the weeds come up, shuck those puppies out of my life. How do you do that? You go to the farmer. The farmer might be Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray, myself. It might be Ryan Matlock. It might be Suzanne uh, 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 McCourt. I started to say Tracy. It might be Ann Ross. It might be Jack Klaus or Ken Bates or, or Susan Bates. It might be Libby uh, Rugi or Bob. That they're the ones that are helping to prune your life. I don't like the way that feels. That's what the Bible says. No chastisement feels good for the moment. But God says who I love, I prune. I cut the weeds out. I cut them out. And I throw them into the fire. Just be careful you're not part of the weed and instead of the word. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.